Welcome, world, to another episode of Nobody's a Nobody Podcast with me, Mike McVeigh. This is the podcast where we interview people I find absolutely fascinating, and I believe you will too if you give them a chance. This week's episode is Mr. Sound and Silence, Lucas Oswalt, and the musical guest, Jarvix's Hot Dog Song of the Week, is Liam Bernhard with his song, Highest Praise. We're coming to the end of season one. This is the second to last episode of my interview episodes. We might have one non-interview episode coming up. We've listed a lot of different local businesses over the past year. And please just go back and figure out which ones are close to you that you can support. That would be the best thing. Um, Our nonprofit is Our Neighborhood Empowered, 1OKC.org slash giving. In this episode, Lucas and I talk a little bit about sounds and silence and things that go on in the background of how we think about these things. So we're going to actually open up with a song that he wrote. It is called Sunlighter. So let's listen to Sunlighter by Lucas Oswald. have had the pleasure to go to the epic 42 party that was on youtube and one of our artists that played was lucas oswald and the host made a comment that lucas took me to my first concert but that is not correct what lucas did was invited me to my first concert that was not a mainstream band that was getting paid by um, 
by a major promotional company and stuff. And it just happened to be our junior year of high school. And it was your concert where you were the guitar gar- guitarist and singer. Uh, I believe Sean Ingley was your bassist. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the name of the drummer. Um, I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. And that was my very first concert of independent local music. And the reason why I point this out, you were one of the people that were very well known throughout the school, uh, no matter where if you're a freshman to senior and I was probably known for different reasons, but you invited everybody to your concert and I came and you made a big deal about like, oh, it's so great you came and stuff. And I'm just kind of curious. I don't actually have a curiosity. I just want to let you know that story. And that was something that's greatly impacted me and I think has actually been able to let me um, partner with Jarvix and stuff of being able to um, really appreciate what independent music brings to the scene. That's so nice of you to say Um, that. Wow. Honestly, it's, it's been kind of a rocky couple of days just on my end and that bumps me up a little bit. So thank you so much for that, man. Um, yeah. Um, so I guess that would have been with um, band I played with in high school, Muse. We were called Muse, but this is way before, uh, you know, million record, billion records selling. I'm not sure how many records they've sold. They've, they've got, they've got more streams than me on Spotify. I'll just say that. Um, and probably more guitars. Um, but I have a few. So anyway, um, yeah, that was, um, I guess, junior year of high school. I started playing music. And since then, um, yeah, I've just kind of toiled away in obscurity doing indie rock and punk and things like that with uh, different bands in um, Oklahoma and Seattle and Washington, DC, and now Tulsa. Um, it's fun, man. It's it's lifeblood. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't making music. I, re- I really, like, I, I, maybe I'd still be running the stairs or wrestling. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think um, I'm 42 now and it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of maybe like a goofy hobby to have to say to somebody like, Hey, come to my show, you know, but um, you know, it's good, clean fun. Um, it keeps you, keeps you young at heart. Um, I can't say enough enough good things about the benefits of, of playing. It puts you in a flow state that is, I've only experienced in like a few other ways in life. And if, if you've ever been with people and creating, and, and, and it's, 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 such a, it's such a unique experience because like you're, you're like doing the thing that's creating sound right that's then coming back to you like auditorily that you're processing through your brain to do more of the thing to just kind of keep it going and it's i i don't really do sports like i like to skateboard um and i like to ride bikes occasionally although it's been a while since i've ridden a bike um but yeah it's like riding a bicycle you never forget how now you play three instruments currently um, I play electric guitar, acoustic guitar, bass guitar, and uh, ukulele. Okay, so four instruments, I apologize. And okay. one of the things that I've really enjoyed it have come, of course, the algorithm on Facebook and stuff isn't always consistent, but I'll go check on Facebook during lunch or in a break from work, and I see you posted a new video of strumming, um, either doing a cover song or um, doing something original. And it's always just about a minute or two and just as generally bright and 
just kind of puts me in a much better mood no matter how bad things are going or even if things are going good. It's like, hey, this is a great thing. What What is it about music that just makes you feel like you have to strum and so much so that you want to share it with others? Well, when I first started playing, I think people have a strange conception of what it means to make art. Um, I think that, no, I believe that if you make something and you share it with the world and someone interacts with it, be it, you know, good, bad, indifferent, you're a success. You are. Um, because everybody's going to make something that's awesome and everybody's going to make something that's maybe not so awesome. And that goes for everyone from, you know, me to, um, uh, the guy who fixed my dryer the other day, Brian, who's just starting out playing the electric guitar to uh, Kanye West. You know, everybody, everybody who ever tries to make something and share it, um, it's, it's kind of like you, you do your best to capture lightning in a bottle or just, you know, have a random brain fart <laughs> and think it's kind of neat. So, um, I enjoy it just because I know what music has done for me in my life. And the fact that I think all of us, all of us have favorite songs. All of us have like a go-to that, you know, you're having, you're having a bad day. Oh, I got to listen to that song, man. You know, or, or, and, and it marks, it marks us ritualistically, you know, funerals, weddings, graduations, um, Everything has a musical component, spiritual paths. You know, someone says I play worship music. Instantly, you know what that is. Um, though I tend to think all music is worship music. <laughs> so I, 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 I like the idea of, of just, you know, dispelling the, dispelling the concept that you have to be like special to make art. That's, everybody's special. Nobody's a nobody, right? <laughs> I'm starting to believe that. I'm starting to get there. <laughs> now, what is your go-to song whenever you need to feel good? Or what's a good feel-good song that you go to? Um, hmm. There's a song by an indie artist I like named Daniel Ate the Sandwich. Um, she does a song called The Universe. And I have been listening to that song quite a bit lately. Um, but there's also, um, you know, there's a lot of mainstream stuff. Um, Kendrick Lamar's song I is is great. Um, Pearl Jam always puts me in a good mood because I'm old. <laughs> so, uh, you know, speaking as a child of the 90s. Yeah, Pearl Jam brings back a lot of weird memories for me. Uh, one of the girls that I had a huge crush on was a huge um, Pearl Jam fan. So I tried to get into it just for that. And of course, I bought the wrong album, and I loved all the songs that weren't the popular songs. I didn't really care about the ones that were hits on the radio. <laughs> In fact, my still my favorite song from Pearl Jam to this day is an elderly woman across the street behind the counter in the store, whatever. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, but it's, yeah. that's still my favorite song because it oh, yeah, yeah, has yeah. that reminiscence of um, um, the Beatles' uh, "Hide Your Love Away." It has that same kind of rhythm and play scale and stuff, but. Uh, well, this will make your day because um, Eddie Vedder actually did a cover of um, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away on the I Am Sam soundtrack. So uh, if you dig that song and have a like you, feel free. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of crushes from 
when I was way too young, we went to junior high together um, at a at an interesting school to say the least, but um, Hefner Junior High. And I don't remember, did your mom teach there as well, or did she only teach at North when we... Yeah, so um, so my mom was teaching at Hefner, um, let me think here. She was teaching at Hefner when I was still in elementary school. So sixth grade, I was at D.D. Kirkland. And seventh grade, I went to Hefner, uh, graduated up, became a Viking. Yes. So... Um, and she was teaching, I want to say she was teaching eighth or ninth grade. I think she was doing ninth grade at that point. Because when we moved up, that was, it was sometime around there that they, they, they changed from junior high to middle school, high school. So if I'm remembering my timeline correctly, we did, I did, I did we did seventh, eighth grade at Hefner. Um, and then just when we would have been ninth graders and, you know, pretty much hot on the heels of being sevies, as they called us, you know, that, that terrible epithet, um, that was when they changed north to uh, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th. So um, when we moved up to ninth grade and became the first ninth grade class at north, um, since she was a ninth grade teacher, she moved up as well. Okay, so, so she was one of the ones. I, I wasn't. I couldn't remember if she moved up with us or not because I'd never actually had your mom as a teacher. But oh, okay. I, I'm just out of curiosity. What was it like having a mother who taught at the school you went to? Was it excruciatingly painful, even though your mom seems to be pretty cool, or was it like the best thing in the world and it got you all your easy A's? I mean, what, right. what was it like? Well, I actually, I got a. Um, I, I did have my mom for English, and um, I got to be in that class. I didn't, I didn't get an A. And I, I, I'm going to say, honestly, I, I kind of, I kind of earned that B if you can, if you can earn a B as opposed to just kind of, you know, slip on your own banana peel and miss the A opportunity. Um, you know, it was fine. And I, I think, I think the reason for that was, um, you know, we have, we have a great relationship and, you know, we're, she's my mom, but she's a friend. And, um, and she's just wildly popular. Like everybody, everybody loves me. So um, I think we had very idiosyncratic, um, how do I put it? Like we'd staked out our own territory in school, you know, like my mom had this and Palm Squad and stuff like that. And I had this um, kind of, you know, not the Palm I was not on the Palm Squad. So, well, I, I didn't recognize you from the Palm Squad, but you know, yeah. I, I wasn't always the most attentive to the correct things in in high school. Well, that that's okay. I mean, I I am I I've got my bun hidden under my stocking cap right now. So, um, no, I think I think we just had we just had our own we had our own space, you know, and and, and I mean that not in like a kind of divisive bifurcated way, like she's over here, but we we had. I think we had our own personalities, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, I wasn't trying to like pull any fast ones. You know, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't really get my name on the board. I got detention maybe like once. I cut one class in high school, one. Um, was that senior day by any chance? I'll never tell because they say, you know, this will end up in your permanent record. I'm old, but not too old to have a permanent record. So. <laughs> um so yeah it, you know it was fine 
I, I wish there was a more scandalous, exciting story about that, but it was, it was good. I had a good experience. I had a really good experience. I think, I think a lot of people, a lot of people had good experiences and, you know, they were spiked with bad experiences and then you, then you put on a Pearl Jam song and you go on with your life and it's, it's fun. Um, yeah well, and as long as it's the right pearl jam song right yeah yeah, yeah. Of, of course you don't want to put on bugs bugs mm. i'll send it to you but you know okay it's just uh, garbage now this is just an assumption i'm making i don't have any like verifiable data or anything but was somebody like did you do something at some point where somebody was just com- extremely kind to you and then because of that, you just started becoming kind to everybody else or um, were you, have you always just kind of been a nice guy? And um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I've ever known of you being mad at anybody other than like, maybe you shot a glance at him like, or something. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think, um, I think, hmm, yeah. I mean, if I start making a list, like plenty of people have been, plenty of people have been kind to me in my life. I, I think, um, I think the the opportunity and the invitation is to just you know continue paying it forward, but um, you don't usually. How, mm, I think you grow more from adverse experiences, and I think when something tough or tricky or you know you find yourself in a thorny situation, when you get out of it, whatever it is, you know it could be, it could be a, and this is just hypothetical, but you know it could be a bad situation at home, or it could be like you know, a relative maybe dealing with a substance abuse challenge or um, somebody having like a mental health crisis or you know, it, it could be any kind of situation that you you want to, um, like if you're lucky, you claw your way out, you know, but but after a while, you know, it just, it, it makes you, it makes you stronger. And what's interesting is that I have a lot of people in my life who've, who've really like suffered and like, I haven't had it that bad. I was, my life's pretty good. Um, I mean, sure. Like everything, like every, like everybody, we all have our challenges. Right. Um, but I kind of think like, you know, everybody's got like a, like a best day of their life. Everybody's got like a low moment, you know? Um, and for people, they look different. And most of the time we're kind of swimming in not this mushy middle, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully navigating between the extremes. Um, I think being a young person and getting exposed to, to art and, you know, 90s was kind of like a good time for like indie cinema as well. Like, you know, we started listening to indie rock and there's indie cinema and all of a sudden there's like things that, that are kind of new and kind of fresh and kind of exciting. Um, and, you know, the landscape is different, but like your eyes are different too. You know, you're, you're kind of checking out this new, um, this new vista and these new sounds. And if you happen to be just like, like I was, or am like a real, well, just a really sensitive person. Like you're, you're very permeable, you know, like, um, like I, I know plenty of people who have like a really thick skin. I have like a really thin skin in good ways and not so good ways. So the good stuff soaks in and I'm like, oh yes, I love it. And the bad stuff sucks in and you're just like, oh, I'm taking this completely personally. So, um, to get back to your point, I think being a sensitive kid and seeing like just um, kind of in that, oh, was it American Beauty? Where he's like, there's so much beauty in the world. And he's like watching a bag dance and stuff. That's corny. It's kind of true. 
you know i mean it is and you know if you cry in movies like you just i don't know you just you just feel good most of the time so but um i also started meditating so that's that makes me that makes me feel pretty good having a spiritual path helps so for sure yeah one of the things before we started this interview you mentioned that you're not really you don't listen to a lot of things music radio uh, podcasts and stuff that you listen to a lot of silence yeah and talk about that what what has been so I shouldn't ask it in a sensitive way. What, why, why do you not listen to anything? Uh, well, I, I guess um, I, you know, pe- people are throwing around words like intentionality and things like that these days. And I, I think that's great. I, I do. I think there's a whole like simple living industrial complex that's sort of hijacked our iPhones too. But I think uh, to be like really intentional about life, like you, you just have to step back. You know, I mean, we, I'm, I'm watching you on a, on a, on a video screen right now, you know, and it's, it's really great that we have these opportunities to connect, um, especially during COVID, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like without, but, um, but space and silence and slowness and, you know, darkness and I don't mean like depressive stuff. I mean, just literal darkness, like power it down, shut it down. Like yesterday I turned off my computer and I put it in my closet and I was like, oh, finally, like my shoulders dropped like four inches, like my belly expanded. I was like, okay, I can relax now. (laughs) So, um, I, I, the reason I do that is because then it makes everything else just kind of amazing. Like if you're, if you're not, if you're not eating everything in the house, then like and you go to eat a salad or a piece of fruit at like five o'clock you're like wow this is really it's great you know it kind of it kind of makes everything makes everything like kind of great in a way you know it makes it makes like music that's not so great (laughs) in a critical sense um it's just it just sounds fantastic you're like put on your headphones after you've had all that silence and you're just like wow those drums are really rich or that bass is really really get me in the hips you know um so i think i think just being being spare is really helpful um you know and it kind of goes back to that like i i think i think of the you and i are kind of maybe cut from a similar cloth of um you know having that permeability and feeling the world and and having it um affect us you know and speaking of assumptive that was way assumptive but um i'll take it It makes me feel i think it's fair i I think it's fair so i've known you for a long time but um so i think silence is really great you know i mean if you don't sleep you're no good you know you're just constantly engaging with sensory input and then and then i i started like kind of getting into like sitting meditation of like different styles and and you really kind of are just like wow my brain is chattering like left right and center and to kind of get to an opportunity to have it rest a little bit feels so good that you kind of just it's it's almost like cleaning out a closet you know (laughs) and you're very choosy about what you put back in because you're like oh it looks so nice and tidy and organized and you know um you know, I think if I think if your brain and your heart get that way about 
art or podcasts or um, you know movies or books, then um, you know that's not to say don't be informed. I think being informed is the best thing you can possibly do um, in order to make good choices. But you got to have that silence too. So that's the too long continued version of. No, I love it. Quiet uh, down. What. I'm not quite sure how to ask it, so it's going to come across a little bit weird, probably. Okay. But how we'll start. How did you get into the practice of starting to practice silence? Like, what what was the event, or was it something that your family taught you, or a friend taught you? Like, how did you get into starting to practice silence? Probably, um, I started sitting with a meditation group in Washington D.C., and um, it was really nice. And I, I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, you know, like, I, I think some people, sometimes when you like start something like that, you're like, I'm going to be super meditator. Or I'm going to, you know, see the face of God or get enlightened or wh- whatever. And, and really just kind of, kind of like allowing just the everyday experience of what is happening. Just kind of, you just kind of get stoked on that. Like ev- everything just feels like enough. Um, and we also, it's just a very fast world. You know, like uh, everything's breaking news, you know, everything's sponsored content, everything's rushing across your screen. Uh, scrolling is like smoking now. <laughs> it's like the news, it's like the new smoking. And, and I believe in it. I believe in the power of, of all of that. But, um, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta unplug, you gotta unplug a little bit. So, um, and just recognizing like for me, like how restorative that was. Um, where you kind of shut the blinds, take a rest. And I, I wonder how much that just, even though I didn't necessarily know that about you before this interview, because I have listened to your music now for consistently for about six months. I wonder if that's why there's such a vibrant sound whenever mm-hmm. I come, when I hear your, your songs, uh, you played one of them at the party. I'll have to look it up, but there's a specific uh, little mini album that you did that really just like it just is be- not just beautiful but it just feels good to hear like it, it's and i i wonder if the silence is kind of some of the things that does it's your uh sunlighter ep with sunlighter cloud, cloud splitter water and light just that's oh, okay. that was really really vibrant and i still try to listen to that about once a week um because it's just awesome. really powerful and so I, I, not just in necessarily that specific light, but I'm just thinking of how much kind of having that, I'm looking at it from a pragmatic perspective. So that's probably part of the problem. But I'm thinking about like having that pur- purposeful pause before going and doing something, how much more sensual or how much more feeling kind of comes into it because of that. And I, I so even though this isn't what we were necessarily going to start talking about, what are some ways for people like me or anybody that's listening? Um, what, what would be some of the best ways, or what are some ways to start practicing silence other than just saying, we'll just be silent. Uh, <laughs> that lasts about two seconds and then we, our hands get fidgety and our minds get fidgety and our phone comes out. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm still trying to find the answer to that. Right. Um, and anyone who says they figured it out probably hasn't. Um, I say that with like a wink and a nod. Um, I think there are some great ways to just, um, well, first of all, like there's a lot, there, there are a ton of, there are a ton of meditation apps right now. So there's Calm, there's Headspace, there, there are a lot of apps that can kind of um, help cultivate 
a more relaxed state. Um, also, you can just go on YouTube and click, you know, guided meditation, type that in and everything from, um, you know, Christian centering prayer to um, kind of a more guided Buddhist approach to, to deep yogic breathing. Um, the, uh, uh, making weird sounds with my voice. Um, at the same time, I'm aware of the deep irony in using tons of technology to decry the fact that there's tons of technology, but I would say that if you're looking for a place to get started, do that. So um, that's what I did and it's been really helpful. So. Right, well, and I mean, we, unfortunately or fortunately, we live in a world where digital is going to, I mean, technology is going to be around us everywhere. So it's not necessarily escaping from technology. It's just understanding the place technology has in our life. Would that be a fair way of saying it? And making sure to create the, the parts of us that are not technologies that are still separate from that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you, you use it so it doesn't use you. I mean, when, in, in my, in my line of work right now, um, I spend a lot of time on websites and doing social media and things like that. And I think, I think precisely because like I try to be really consistent and intentional about saying, you know, okay, we're done. This is enough for today. Um, that whatever, whatever successes I've had in those arenas, probably, probably because of that ability to say like, all right, the sun has to set. (laughs) Um, so I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm, I'm not a technophobe at all. I, I think technology is pretty awesome, quite honestly. Uh, it's just kind of like the Wild West right now. You know, we uh, got to come up with some solutions. Um, but, I, but, but a lot of solutions just start with us individually, you know, and kind of embracing that silence and kind of allowing yourself to, you know, move, your, move the cursor of your mind over to where it says sleep or shut down or dim the screen. You know, we, we have to do that or, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be lost. I'm trying not to force anything, but I, I I really am appreciating what you're saying. And I'm going to probably definitely be listening to this over and over again. (laughs) It'll be my, it'll be my, uh, my meditation app (laughs) and also um, faking the count now, unique account. (laughs) Uh, No, that's, that's really cool. I, I've read a lot of, um, oh goodness, I can't, Ryan Holiday, um, over the past couple of years. And um, he does a lot of stuff with stoicism, which isn't necessarily a direct link, but his most recent book definitely talks about kind of a stoic approach to meditation and stuff. Is that so, the daily stoic guy? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I know him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Yeah. In fact, that was actually my least favorite book of all the books I've read of him, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but I, I get that, you know, it's, it's sometimes your, your passion project, you, you have to understand that it's your passion yeah. project, not the world. Yeah. Um, I, I just picked the uncool Pearl Jam song. <laughs> <laughs> it, it works. It works. Ooh, random question. Have you seen the minority report with Tom Cruise? Yes. Yeah. So they had a lot of futurists, I didn't even know that was like an occupation. Like you can, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a futurist. Um, but apparently, like I see they, it in my future. I'm, you know, <laughs> uh, I no, that was good. That was good. Um, they they had a lot of people like you know really thinking like, okay, what's the world going to look like? You know, years and years and years and years from now. And it was 
I think that movie came out in like maybe like the nineties, the early two thousands. And they have self-driving cars and iPads and like all kinds of, um, all kinds of things that now, you know, we're just, we kind of take for granted, but we're still not living like the Jetsons yet. Even more mind blowing to me is the fact that like the past doesn't really exist and neither does the future. Like all we really have is right now. So the fact that someone can conceive based on, you know, algorithmic models of where we've been to say, okay, here's where we're going. Wow. I don't even know what I'm going to have for dinner. I'm, I'm going to do my best to be a futurist on dinner just so I can plan better. Well, that would be, now you're going to get me started. So here's something that's <laughs> going to even blow your mind more. We only experience the future in the past, or we only experience the present in the past because of the time delay, even though it might be like millisecond degrees, we only experience what's already happened. Our senses can only pick up what's already happened. We have an intuitive sense that sometimes is right and sometimes is wrong. So we're actually, we don't experience the future until way in the past, but we consider it our present. Time to get some more space, huh? <laughs> uh, just gonna, gonna have to meditate on that. That's going back to the silence part of our conversation. All right, I'm speechless. I'm gonna go watch Looper now for like the 800th time. How much of affected, not professional wrestling, but junior high wrestling have on your life? Because I know you completed your first season in seventh grade. No. Was that, and you didn't, I don't believe you came back for eighth grade, if I remember. Well, actually I did. Um, I, I did seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th. Oh, okay. Well, then I was completely wrong. So talk well, that, about that's impact. Okay. well I, I was kind of more like a practice room wrestler. Um, you know, a, a lot of us were. Um, I, I, I was very small, like not only short, but just small, just scrawny little piece of chewed up wire in seventh grade. So, um, there was always somebody who was really good, like right in front of me or maybe two places in front of me. Um, so I always, I always got my pride handed to me when that happened. Um, but I was not so bad as a JV wrestler. So if you needed, if you needed a wrestler in a pinch to try to not get pinned so that you could, you could, you know, win the match by, how do they do it? Let's say person A is like varsity and I'm like person B, right? So person A can probably beat the next weight class up or below. Um, all right, we're gonna have them pull weight or gain weight um, to strategize how we're gonna win overall. Okay, that means person B has to go in. So that basically if they've kind of calculated like we can maybe beat this other team by like three points, if you don't get pinned. Because if you get pinned, it's six points to the other team. Um, I think a regular victory is like three points. I don't really, rem I don't really remember exactly how the scoring works for everything. I mean, you know, and we have friends now whose whose kids wrestle. Um, but uh, I, I was pretty good at the JV level, um, and really, I just I kind of liked going to practice and hanging out with people and um, being with the coaches. Um, they were Byron Howe's a great influence, you know. So I haven't talked to him in years, years and years and years and years. But, but I, but I feel grateful for you know the time that that we had together. And when when I got to the point that I was like, I you know I can't do this anymore, he was really understanding. Um, I had some stuff going on in my life as as a lot of young people do. Um, I had lost somebody close to me, and um, 
I was just like, I can't, I, I, I want to go a different direction. And fortunately, I found um, playing the guitar. Can you think of anything from wrestling that has shaped part of who you are right now, like how you do things or how you approach things? I would say probably good and maybe not so good. Um, I'll start with the good. Um, typically, if you can picture yourself getting there, you can make it. And if you can't, you know, you, you gave you gave your effort. You know, if you if you if you pulled weight to be the JV guy who they bump in to not get pinned by the state champ and you get pinned. <laughs> I, I mean, all you have is your effort. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't perseverate too much on the outcome because that's, that's somebody else's that doesn't belong to me, but my effort does. So I would say that from the good point, from the not so good point, um, all that pulling weight, like really impacted me for a long time. Um, so much that like my interoception is a little bit messed up, meaning like, even like years later, like if I would get hungry, I just wouldn't eat. I would just keep going and doing my thing. Um, when you're 81 pounds and you have to get to 75 pounds, like that's, you know, it's just how it was. So, and, and, and everybody always asks me, like, do you, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to do this? And whether because I wanted to ingratiate myself or, or just, you know, succeed, like I was just saying with effort, like, you know, now I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's like for kids now. I'm not, I'm not sure. I really have no, have no frame of reference. I know there's things that I did when I was an educator, there's, there's things that they get phased out, you know, and that was, that was from when I was in my twenties. I have no idea what wrestling is like for kids today. Um, it's, it's, a uh, it's tough. You, uh, go in like a wad of cookie dough and come out like carved out of wood so but yeah I'm glad I did it I'm glad I did it right I one of my fondest memories and I I say fondest it's probably just one of my best memories of you I have two memories of you from our schooling together I already mentioned one with the concert you inviting me give me a flyer um, and therefore I'm still a big advocate of flyers of changing people's lives and then the other one is when we were in seventh grade and I, my mom always dropped me off at Hefner and I'd be there at like six forty-five, seven o'clock in the morning. And as soon as they opened the doors, I was in there and you were the only other person in there at the time and you were running stairs and you had, you know, big old sweatshirt and sweatpants on trying to make weight and stuff. And I always wondered, I never did wrestling. So I always wondered, you know, kind of, I just, I just remember that as something that, you know, you were of all these people who we went to school with and several of them went to college on wrestling scholarships. You were the one who <laughs> put in the time, at least in seventh grade yeah. of making the effort. And, and I, I think that just seems to be pretty reflective of life. Kind of what you said, you don't always necessarily get the goal, but yeah. you make the effort and then the effort takes you wherever it takes you. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I'm not sure if this is going to make the final cut, but you're talking about the future you can't, you can't actually see what's in front of you. Um, you're trained as a theologian. So, you know, I would, I would lean on people like you and your kind of expertise in order to tell me what happens next. But um, I do think that the same, how do I put it? The same thing you'd say to a six-year-old, if you do your best, I'm going to be proud of you. Just do your best. Um, give it your all, you know, because I, I would, I would almost rather give it my all and lose on something just to know that like, you know, I didn't just try, like I really laid into it, you know, I um, 
because we've all gotten things in our lives like a little too easily from time to time. It, that that kind of feels like cheating. It's not always going to line up, I don't think. But I definitely, if I put forth the effort and I don't get it, I still can feel a sense of self-satisfaction. If I don't put in much effort and I get it anyway, uh, did I really want it? Or does it matter? Or was it just handed to me? You know, so. Yeah, that's that's something that I know I've, I constantly struggle with. Well, I've never stopped struggling with. I probably always have struggled with even from when we met and maybe even before that of whenever there's future opportunities, how to make those decisions. And I drive everybody crazy. You know, and, and we also kind of think sometimes like well, my, my, my exact skill set is going to map exactly to the requirements that, you know, of, of the thing that I'm trying to do. Um, the weird thing is, it's like, it, it, well, we, can't, we kind of already have like the ability to do it. We just have to like exercise that habit muscle, you know, like I, I, I was not and am not like a great singer. I've done it, but um, like I was in show choir and stuff, you know, and there's some great singers in, in there, some really, really good singers. Um, but I never really like thought I had like, you know, quote unquote musical talent until like I picked up a guitar and I never would have even done it if it hadn't been for like indie or punk rock, because those were the people saying, you know, forget about so-and-so making a zillion dollars, living a lifestyle that you'll never attain. Forget about all that. Okay. What do you like about this? What do you, what do you, and, and I think that maps to whatever you want to do like at all. I've taken a very punk rock approach to my career and, you know, part of like not, asking permission is that the answer is always no. So just, just do it, just do the thing and don't die wondering. I, I find that um, it's not hard for me to spin myself up and get excited about something and say like, you know, this, that, and the other, um, as a lot of us can do. I mean, we all do that from time to time, but, but I, I, maybe it's an opportunity just to let it have its say. I don't need to have my say. I have my say all the time. I'm going to let it have its say, whatever it is. I like that. I guess I should ask, do you do concerts or anything other than the one virtual concert that you did for me? Um, um, or is it mostly just um, hobby and that's it? So um, I have a band in Tulsa, but um, we don't have anything recorded and we do shows but I don't have any, I mean, are you asking if I have anything like booked or anything in the future or? Well, what, what's the name of the band? Oh, they're called Zero for Conduct. Zero for Conduct. Okay. Uh -huh. um, all right. So we don't have any kind of web presence like okay. at all, but we've played, actually, there's a fun story there. We, we were, we were a band when I was in college and I moved away and I came back and we were like, Hey, you still play. Hey, you still play. All right. We're a band again. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's a good time. It's good, clean, fun. But Lucas, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and to interview me. And thank you for being you. You have um, continually been the kind of person who, uh, I don't know of anybody, I'm, I'm sure there are someone somewhere that doesn't like you, um, just doesn't like you, not like your job or something. I'm sure there's somebody, but I have not <laughs> met that person that's ever vocalized that in any way, capacity whatsoever. Uh, that's okay. I've, I've met them. <laughs> I've met them. Uh, and that's, sure. and that's okay. That's okay. It's, yeah. you know, 
you can't be all things to all people. That's that's kind of its own. Uh, you're only telling me this now. Hug. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again, cool. sir. Thank and, you. Uh, Hot dog. listeners, it's Jarvix again with my Hot Dog Song of the Week. This episode, I'm featuring Liam Bernhard, an Oklahoma City musician and singer-songwriter that hails from the world of praise and worship music. I met Liam a few years back when he ran a space called The Basement. It lived in a church basement not too far from OKC's Plaza District, and I still contend that it's one of the best listening rooms this city has ever seen even if only a considerably small population of folks actually saw it. I actually had a whole article written up about it back in my cellar door music group days, but it never got published because around that time the basement had flooded and was not going to be open for a while. When the venue got over that hurdle, cellar door had folded, and so it goes. Liam isn't with that church anymore, but he's still the same beam of positivity that he was when I met him there. He's one of the examples that come to my mind when I think of Christians who truly embody that notion to be like Christ. I'm not religious myself, but I never felt unwelcome or judged in the space he created for Christian and secular communities to converge, which is honestly quite rare in my experience. The song I have today is from his 2020 EP titled, I Am, We Are. The song is called Highest Praises, and yes, it's a praise song. Minimal road-style keys set a sparse stage as Liam Bernhard's vocals soon chime in with a surprise waltz-like time signature. I don't know why more worship numbers don't rock the 3-4, honestly. It's the perfect way to convey the sweeping beauty and wonder of engaging with a holy presence. As the song goes, we hear gorgeous harmonies and acoustic guitar, but what really stands out to me is the progression into post-rock territory. If you're unacquainted with the likes of Explosions in the Sky and similar bands, this style is synonymous with expansive, atmospheric electric guitars, awestruck, and instrumental pageantry. How is there not more post-rock in Christian music? Just listen to this track and I think you'll see how brilliantly it can be used to exalt the on high. It's basically a love language of its own. If you like what you hear and would like to support and engage with Liam Bernhardt, he recently launched a Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can support his work while hearing exclusive music, like a new series of psalms that he has been recording this year. Visit patreon.com slash lionbernhardt, that's L-I-O-N-B-U-R-N-H-E-A-R-T, for more. From the EP, I Am, We Are, here is Highest Praises by Liam Bernhard.
Thank you to Liam Bernhard, and you can find him at patreon.com, Lion Bernhardt, L-I-O-N-B-U-R-N-H-E-A-R-T. You can find Lucas um, with his bandcamp, lucasoswalt.bandcamp.com. Thank you, Jarvix. Thank you, all of you who have paid attention to season one. We've got one more major episode to come, and it's a doozy, so I want you to know no matter who you are, no matter where you are, nobody is a nobody. And that means you. Until next time. <laughs>